Hi there, you're listening to the 247 Girl Boss Podcast, and I'm your host, Ola. In this podcast, we discuss the successes, failures, and pivotal moments that make the career change journey worthwhile. Expect to have a few laughs, be encouraged, and get equipped with the mindset, tools, and resources required on the journey to finding the careers you love and making a difference where you live. Hi guys, so today on the podcast, we'll be interviewing Ibuku Omolulu done a lot to um, propagate and advance women's networks within organization. And today she's going to talk about all things career and women. And um, thank you so much, Ibukun, for coming to our podcast today. Thank you, Ola. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about it. You've been working in banking for a while. Tell us yes. a little bit about that proposition. What was it and what was it about? Okay, so the one-woman proposition is, um, it's a banking proposition that is basically to make the life of the Nigerian woman fulfilling and enriching. And it's um, basically a way to offer financial services to women in a way that improves their lives and um, gives them equal opportunities. And so tying it into the United Nations um, sustainable goals of um, gender equality, I, I believe strongly that two of the strongest ways to empower women is true. Um, education and financial empowerment. But I would also opine that the education comes first before financial empowerment because uh, research has shown that if women are really self-efficient you know, um, and that self-efficacy goes a long way in, in helping them to apply how they use money well. So for me, it went much more beyond banking women. I was fascinated with some of the researches we're doing, behavioral science that kind of predicts how women um, behave with their money and how impacts on how successful they are. And um, it, it, made me, it made me more intrigued to find out more solutions that could be designed specifically for women and how we could improve their lives. Now, research has also revealed, revealed that women, you know, put back 90% of their income back into their family. So why not, if not invest more in women? And uh, I often hear men saying, yes, I tracking us and all. And I, I, I really enjoy that because it gives me an opportunity to school them like, no, when you design things for women, research has actually shown or revealed as well that men take up more of those products than women at the end of the day. So whatever works for women would work for men. Mm. So yeah, and that was basically what I was doing. I, I, um, I was leading the team. I was um, um, developing strategies, frameworks, um, sourcing partnerships, um, was on several projects on it that um, really helped us to stand out and built us from a local brand to a brand of international repute. <laughs> That's brilliant. So I want to talk about something here. And it's, um, everybody says women as a nine to fiver, you should have multiple sources of income, which I completely agree with. Um, but not everyone wants to start a business as such. And um, not everybody wants to leave the organization mm. that they're working with either. They don't want to go to a new place. They want to make a difference where they are. Mm-hmm. So I want us to talk about today, how yeah. can I, as a woman, or the women listening to this call, you're working in an organization. You don't want to leave your organization, but you want to make a real difference in the organization, not on the, not just on your job, but to people around you, to the women around you. I noticed that um, by being part of the one 
one woman proposition you got to do a lot of things to help women and I, I, talking to you before this we talked about um, the consulting and the mentoring things that you also do to help women find mm-hmm. find their path so tell me about mm-hmm. it as a woman in an organization right now who doesn't want to leave how can you make a difference where you are how can you find fulfillment in the organization that you currently are in Great. I think that's a really brilliant question. And, uh, and that's, it, it, and I'll say that because um, society has told us a lie that <laughs> everybody has to be entrepreneurs and that's probably the only way to make it. But what a lot of people do not realize is that entrepreneurship is actually a lot of work and not everyone is really cut out to be an entrepreneur. And it kind of gives um, women who want to build a career, it kind of guilt trip like Maybe I should, you know, quit my job and go out there and start taking care of my family and, you know, building an entrepreneurial life as well. I always say that um, being in the corporate field is a great place to develop. It's a great place to to learn. It's a great place to lead. I think one of the most fulfilling things that has happened to me in selling was that I grew, I learned, and I was able to lead. And for me, I would tell any woman anywhere right now that um, find how to lead in your organization. And it's really, it starts from you um, developing a high level, a high sense of self-awareness about who are you, who, who, what are you really about and, and channeling that into what can you offer the organization. And so for me, it was, um, I realized I was, I, I loved helping people. Mm-hmm. I realized that um, I, I had to understand the vision of the organization and see how it aligns with my core values. And I was able to bring that, bring out, bring that out. So um, when I started One Woman, when I started to work on One Woman, I had to quit, deeply understand that beyond banking, what was One Woman about? How does it make an impact in the society? How does it make an impact in the lives of the women I was, I was going to be in, in touch with? And I've always loved meeting people. I think one of my great superpowers is um, having meaningful connections with people. And I, I realized that it was my own way of leading and making up meaningful connections with these people and telling them about financial products that would improve their lives and really does change their lives because they are able to do better things. They have more convenience on their hands. So I would say, first of all, find out who you are. What are you about? What resonates with you? For a long time, I didn't know the women's space was something that I wanted to be in until I got into it and I started to see how um, it was changing lives. I started, I started to see some of the problems that we're in and some of the solutions were, you know, came to me just like snapping your fingers. It wasn't rocket science for me. And I was like, hey, this, 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 <laughs> this really is, um, this works and this is really interesting. And I found out that it was, it also had to do with some of the experiences I had growing up and which is why I link it back to you finding out more about yourself and a high level of self-awareness to, to know your core values, what matters to you, and then bring that on to be able to um, volunteer for projects, volunteer for um, um, projects that would put you out. Don't be afraid to go to meet your boss and say, I'd like to be on this next project or to, or even, or to even ask your boss that, um, where do you think I could do well or what would you want me to achieve for you right now? What project do you think you could put me on that would um, help me to achieve you know, good results for you? right now and would also bring me in the, in, in the limelight. I think the, the other thing is um, we women, we're not so good at um, 
asking for feedback and receiving feedback as well. So one of the things you could also do is to also get feedback so that you could know what you, where you could um, um, start, where areas, what areas exactly you could start working on. So ask for feedback from the people you work with. It could be your boss, it could be your supervisor, it could be the people you work who are close to you. It could even be your spouse or your siblings, somebody who will be able to give you objective and genuine feedback and let you know that I think you're really good at sales, but I don't think you don't you 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 put in too much effort to do this. And um, if you could just work on maybe your presentation skills, this could push you out more. And once you know some of those areas where you feel you could work on, volunteer for projects, but ask to be on projects, ask to be um, to do the next work, ask, ask to take the next lead on something. And then the other thing I would say is, um, we usually look at leadership more like um, something that is an achievement or, so, or, or some status that you have to be leading a group of people and, and, and doing great things. No, leadership starts from where you are. It's really about your optics. It's really about your vision and what you want to achieve and the ability to make decisions and, and get results from them. So don't look at yourself being in the organization like, oh, maybe I'm not leading a team. Doesn't mean you're not a leader. Someone is looking at you. It's your chance to actually prove them um, wrong or right with some of the steps you're doing with some of the, the with some of the initiatives you're taking so it start from where you are and lead believe that you're a woman who's leading somewhere and and make the best out of it so please do not leave your organization don't feel compelled that you have to leave your organization look for where it is it could involve you changing your unit it could involve you changing your department or wherever it is it could just involve you making some few adjustments yourself or just looking at the paradigm with which you look at things and and then you start doing big projects you start working on on things that would bring you in contact with more people but please beyond everything it's not about um achieving a status it's really about a state of mind that whatever comes your way you're able to do it well and do it efficiently and do it in such a way that um it gets results because <laughs> The organization always looks at the bottom line. How does this, you know, generate back to, how does this convert back to the revenue and all? So that's what I would really say, believe in yourself. Um, and the last thing, sorry, is to also have um, a supportive partner and support systems that believe in what you're doing and are ready to support you. I would um, say that I probably wouldn't have gone this far in my career to have achieved a lot of things I'm doing if my husband had not given me the support that I needed. And um, for him, he didn't see it as, as a competition for his wife to you know, rise and grow where she was. For him, he, it, was, it was just her being herself and you know, doing what she loves to do. You know? So I would say have a very good support structure um, with your husband or your spouse and um, work at it. Brilliant. I like to add some of the points you raised. Um, the self-awareness. If, if I've heard self-awareness a dozen times, I've heard it more than a dozen times. It's really knowing <laughs> who you are and what you want. Yeah. Self-awareness, um, leadership, starting from where you are. It's yeah. really, really important. And having a support system. Um, yes. Very good points. Thank you. So you've been in... The, uh, I know it's difficult, especially in banking, in the, uh, <laughs> the developing world, I know. But what kind of mistakes do you see women making on a day-to-day -day basis on their roles that they need to kind of stop doing? You've already touched on one, which is, um, and that you used to do it before, and I certainly used to do it before, which is not speaking up for yourself, 
you have your ideas and you keep it to yourself. Um, but do you want to elaborate? Maybe you have a few more to talk about. Okay, so the first thing I would say is um, do not be overly emotional. Um, one of the things they tell women is um, lead like a man, <laughs> which is something um, I really do not agree with, but I understand where it's coming from. Um, so to give you a clear sense of it, uh, about a century ago, women were not allowed to um, work. They were not allowed to open a bank account. They were not allowed to own properties and, you know, so many other things. And it took a lot of courageous women to fight that women be included in the workspace. And finally, women got into the workspace. But even getting into the workspace was um, challenging enough because you're dealing with overt sexism. Um, you had to dress exactly like men because they didn't want them to show any form of feminism. And, you know, that was where the genesis of, you know, lead like a man, be like a man. But I, I would say that um, we have our own feminine giftings that makes us different and helps us to lead in um, very powerful ways. And it, it's not um, superior to the men, neither is the men's leadership style um, inferior to the women. I would say that um, we both have something to bring to the table and the best results are when both men and women are, the are on the table, giving out their um, value in their own different ways. But what we've done is we've created a glass ceiling for ourselves. And this was something Gozio Kondjo well, I spoke about in our book and quite a lot of people have also spoken about that makes women feel like um, this is the standard, this is the behaviors you have to have in the workplace. So one thing I'll say is do not be overly emotional. That's one. Yes, you're a woman, but you have feminine giftings that you should embrace and use. And what do I mean by that? There have been situations, I've been, in I've been on complex projects where, you know, the environment is tense and, you know, tempers are flaring. And with just a smile, just a little smile, you're able to, you know, and gentle words, bring people back down to, hey, we're all trying to achieve the same thing here. Let's look at this differently. This is what you are trying to achieve. This is what you are trying to achieve. And this is how it helps. This is what we are all trying to achieve. And so you're able to em embrace your feminine giftings with your charisma, with your empathy, with, with just reflecting a lot of things about charity, but not being overly emotional, not being unnecessarily emotional about a whole lot of things, but embrace your feminine giftings to be able to lead and I think one of the things that um, people really loved me for was my, my cool-headedness and my ability to be able to, um, like I say, I love meaningful connections, be able to reach out to people and connect with them at areas where they never expected. You know, so do not be overly emotional and do not put yourself in the glass ceiling like, oh, I have to lead like a man. This is how leaders are. This is how you know it's, it's really just shooting yourself in the foot because you're not being authentic to your true self and you now want to start behaving like somebody else and that's really like splitting who you are because when you start behaving like somebody else you're not leading at, in response to your core values with who you are and it, it really doesn't it's a no-brainer it doesn't work that way the other thing like i mentioned before is to speak for yourself don't think that what you have to say is silly several times i was in meetings where i would want to say things and i'll be like oh maybe it doesn't make sense and what i wanted to say would be blotted out by a man and everybody was like oh my god that it makes so much sense and you're like 
wow, so why didn't I say anything since, you know? And so you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. And I, I don't blame you. Look, I struggled with this for a long time because as a child, like I said, I was so inquisitive. I would just say what comes to my mind. And they were like, no, yeah, girl, you don't talk like that, you know? And I'd inherently imbibed a lot of those things and getting into the workplace, I, I, and I think another thing that really um, got me to be like that was I was working with a whole lot of elderly people. I left school pretty young. I graduated exactly when I was um, 20, bordering into 21. I had finished service by the time I was 21, 22, you know, crossing into 22. And so when I started to work, I was pretty much very young and, you know, worked with a lot of elderly people. And, you know, the Yoruba culture, you, you just don't want to speak ahead of people and all of that. And so most of the times I would keep quiet until when I know that, okay, this thing is not making sense anymore. Let me just say something, you know, and you would say, speak and people be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But oftentimes I, I always relegated myself to the back and like, it doesn't matter. They might not just take it. And until I had to learn to start standing up for myself, which I would tell a lot of women. But rather than us, the, the leadership roles are really minimal for women already. So rather than us fighting each other for those leadership roles, why not support ourselves and see how we could help ourselves, you know, grow. Um, the last thing I would say really are support structures. I can't overemphasize support structures enough because I'm a living proof that support structures work. When I had my first baby, um, I thought I was going to part ways with my husband. I thought my marriage was going to be, I thought we we're really going to divorce at the time after we had my first child, because it was, it, it was a whole lot to deal with as a career woman, as a new mother, and, um, you know, having to deal with the own front as well. And that, that was really the genesis of what made me write my book. Um, behind the little bundles of joy, because I feel they do not, uh, you know, orientate us a lot more about um, pregnancy and child, but, you know, you just get into it and then you now have to start finding your way. But by the time I had my second son, my husband was prepared <laughs> as a father. I was prepared as a, as a mother. I had gotten um, adequate support structures. I had a living nanny who was just fantastic, you know, and the difference between the woman who had the first baby and the woman who had the second baby, I mean, a lot of the things I achieved while being on one woman was after I had my, my second son. And it was in the year after I had him. And I, 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 I couldn't believe I could have you know, done that much in, in that year after having a baby and still be able to build my career that much and also build my personal brand. So um, as much as possible, I'll say do not underestimate the power of support structures. It could make or break you. And so please invest in it, invest in the right support structures. I, I've done quite a bit of capacity development building for women in careers as well in having solid support structures that would help them grow. Perfect, that was a lot to give in there. Um, thank you so <laughs> much for that. Okay, so you talked about um, capacity building. How does a woman build her capacity? What does that mean? How does, go on. <laughs> wow. So this really has a lot to do with self-awareness. And I would say um, a lot of the things we go through now, and, and I, let me first of all start by, by saying that we have different classes and segments of women right now in the world, from the millennials to the baby boomers and all and. I can tell you for free that we're all struggling with different things at different times, even though there are some that are kind of universal, 
with all of us in terms of um, women looking for protection spaces because everyone, every woman wants to be protected. Yeah. But um, I, I found out that um, for the people who are somewhat baby boomers, a bit of millennials, um, we struggle a lot with um, self-awareness, self-confidence and self-esteem issues. And really it, it, it still um, it, it finds its background in the way we were raised, in the way we were, and social conditioning and, and the effects of those things on us, which largely is also formed by the social norms in, uh, and the cultural norms in the society. So a lot of women lack, and I have research to back this up, that a, woman, a lot of women struggle with um, um, self-esteem, confidence issue, and this goes a lot back into self-awareness. When women are not confident of themselves, they are um, confident, they're not confident of um, their intellectual capacity, they're not confident of their bodies, they're not confident of a lot of things. It affects everything. It affects the way you think, it affects um, the way you carry yourself, it affects the way you relate with people, I mean, it even affects the bedroom because you're not confident about yourself, you know. So um, there are a whole lot of things that um, capacity development means to a lot of people. But really, it's really finding out, um, it's really developing that level of self-awareness and development to a level where you are more confident and you have grown. It's really a transformative process and it just doesn't happen once. It's a continuous thing as, as with most things in life. Um, it's not static, life is dynamic. Mm. So um, one of the things that I would say, particularly for the African woman is to start to build your self-confidence issue. How do you express yourself? Um, how do you, do you even have an opinion on things? How do you Form your opinion and in doing that you have to question a lot of things you have to question a lot of of things um that has to do with your upbringing why do we do things this way why do we um um have the social norms or cultural norms for example and to give you a clear sense of it some people believe that it's um it's not right for women to own assets and by assets it means a woman cannot own property can't own land and in some ways may not even own a, a car or a vehicle in that sense because it's considered a, an asset. Well, not in finance anyway, because it's liability. <laughs> but to some people, it's like an asset that women should not you know, um, have. And so these are the things that limit women. And some people will take it as far as a woman shouldn't go to school, you know, have secondary school, I mean, have primary school certification, secondary school certification, and let it end there. And some people believe that, okay, have primary, secondary, university, and let it end there. Get married to a man, have a family, and let it end there. But they don't train us to be ambitious enough. Like, it doesn't end there. There are other things you could do. You could explore the world. You could write a book. You could be a public speaker. You might just be the next person who might... Um, bring out a solution for cancer or AIDS or something. There's so much more to do. There's so much problems in the world that we're not trained to solve and, and um, find solutions for. So in finding yourself, developing that self-awareness, you're going to find your place in this world doing something. It could be something for children. It could be something that has to do with sustainable de development, renewable energy, education, you know, so many other things. So I would say start with 
learning more about yourself. It really starts from learning more about yourself. Who are you? What matters to you? What are your core values? What do you want to do? What do you want to contribute to the world? And how do you want to go about it? And it starts from there. So what I do is I help a lot of women with their self-confidence, with building capacity, helping them to understand um, using behavioral science research that um, you, you, you were made for more, you're cut out to do more and you don't have to relegate yourself to what you've been raised to, what you've been raised to be or what you think you were raised to be. There's so much more you can do, yeah. As you were talking, I was just thinking about capacity and I wanted to kind of give it a, a visual, a visual cons um, annotation. So I just, uh, I haven't thought about it by, way, by the way, but you know how a balloon is? Yeah. When you haven't blown it, it's just there, it's flat. It has exactly. so much capacity. There's so much yes. a balloon can achieve. It can be really, really big, but except the air is blown into it, it's exactly. going to remain exactly how it is. So the key about building your capacity is starting from understanding that you do have that capacity, even though you haven't expressed it yet, but starting from yeah. where you are starting small yeah. and keep on blowing yeah. the air in as the more air you blow in the more you test the capacity the more you try new things the balloon gets bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden you find out actually ah, i had space for more oh i didn't know I exactly had all of a sudden exactly you blew this is why i said yeah this is why i said it's not static it's dynamic it's transformational and it's it's exactly. it's lifelong you just keep taking in and then you 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 filter because you just don't take in and just keep taking in. You filter as well. Is this for me? Is this for me? How is this going to help me? No, this is not for me. And then you know that that's not for you. And then you filter. Oh, this is for me. Oh, wow. And you keep measuring and assessing yourself because whatever can, they say in the workplace that whatever is not measured cannot be, um, cannot be accounted for. You know, you can't, you can't, Put something around it and it's the same thing with capacity development and life when you're not able to access assess and measure and evaluate where you've been to where you are now yeah. and see what what differences have you made what changes has, has happened have you grown that's really more about how it becomes transformational so you are so spot on Ola. <laughs> absolutely you wrote a book <laughs> tell us a little bit about your book Okay, um, till now, up to date, I have three books, but the most prominent is Behind the Little Bundles of Joy, which is Behind really about... Behind the Little Bundles of Joy. Yes, okay. which is really about motherhood and childbirth. Um, I spoke a bit about how I felt I was going to lose my marriage after I had my son. I also realized that in Africa, there's so many things you deal with. There's um, the stereotypes of, I mean, they're the, the myths that they tell you after you've had a child, you know, when you beat your child, throw them up. Um, massage their hands and all and um, yeah maybe this doesn't work for our forefathers but <laughs> we changes that with time there are different things that you know might not necessarily work for you there are peculiarities that work for different people and um, mm -hmm. you know just they sometimes shame us when you don't do some of those things so yeah. I addressed quite a lot of things I addressed quite a lot of assumptions you you might think uh, just because you're pregnant readily prepares you for motherhood. I don't think anything can really prepare you for motherhood until after you've had that child. Um, I think I was pretty much very naive about what the childbirth experience entailed. I thought it was just, okay, you push the baby out and you'll be fine. But I mean, that pain was incredible. 
And um, it wasn't like <laughs> nobody had really told me about that. And I was like, okay, it looks like it looks like everybody's just trying to manage their own um, story in secrecy and you know, shrouding it is like it's some kind of mystery or cult that nobody should know about. And so I tried to um, be as vulnerable as possible in that book and really expose what motherhood and childbirth was like and how important um, postpartum care is for both mother and child and, um, and even for the father and what everybody could do to um, improve that. Another thing is um, in Africa, we started women with the responsibilities of childbirth and taking care of a child. No, it's a partnership thing. It's a two-way thing. So most times fathers are playing when they have the children and mostly playing with them, might not necessarily be taking care of them. Mm. And then the woman is the one taking care of the man. It's a lot of work. And so what are the roles of fathers? What can they do better? How can they not make it a one-way thing for the woman when it comes to having a baby? How can they be supportive? How can they help out? What can they do? You know, so I put in practical things for everybody there, as well as my own story of um, having a child, waiting, um, some of the things I struggled with and uh, what organizations to could help. It's like it's like a Bible <laughs> for, for pregnant women and their husbands and also for organizations. And it, I think it, we I've need had more of those feedback. kind of materials. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I've had amazing feedback. Yeah, from, from it. And yes, I agree with you. We need more of those kind of materials. Vulnerability, yeah. <laughs> that telling it as it is. The highs yes. and lows and how to deal with it and the resources. I think it's a really good book to read, guys. I, I, I cannot recommend it more. I really enjoyed our discussion. I really enjoyed uh, all the things we talked about today. And I think it will deliver real value to a number of people. Um, thank you for coming. I hope to bring you on again to do something else. Um, every All IBK's details will be in the show notes below. And the link to that book, which I think you should get, will also be in the show notes below. Thank you once again and, and take Thank care. Thank you. <laughs> Hi there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked it. If you did, do me a favor and share, subscribe, or leave a review on iTunes so more people can find the podcast. I'd also love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to leave a comment or contact me with the details um, in the show notes below. Until the next episode, see you. Take care. Bye-bye.